Well, what's up, team? Hope you guys are doing all right. Welcome back to our Wednesday night series. And, and for those of you who are new or maybe you haven't been in a minute, we're on week two of just a very small series. It's only three weeks long, so you're already over halfway there, bright side. Um, it's called Meeting Jesus. And what we want to do in this series is show you three people who meet Christ. And we'll show you what they're like before they meet him, what they're like when they meet him, and then what they're like after What's it like to meet Jesus? I wonder how many of you have ever wondered. Well, let's do this. Everybody close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Raise your hand. How many of you have ever wondered, am I really a Christian? Raise your hand. Have you ever wondered? Okay, put your hand down. How many of you have ever wondered, well, maybe I've been a Christian, but is it time for me to get baptized, or how do I know? How many of you have ever wondered that? Raise your hand. Okay, put them down. Okay, open up. A lot of hands. And I think this series can help. And I think we can show you the right way to go with that. So let's do this. Um, Tonight, I'm, I'm really excited. This is a good one. This is the man with leprosy. This man who has leprosy meets Jesus. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And while you're turning there, I I like this story because it's very straightforward, um, so it's easy to understand. It's very powerful. It's an incredible story about this man's life. And the best part about it is it very plainly shows us who Jesus is, okay? So let's read it. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And a leper came to Jesus begging him and falling on his knees before Jesus and saying, If you are willing, Lord, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion. I love that. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man and then said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sternly warned him and immediately sent him off saying, See that you say nothing to anyone about this, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing for what Moses commanded as a testimony. But the man instead went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. And Jesus stayed out in empty areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Okay, so let's just boom right in. This man, he comes to Jesus and he's begging that Jesus heal him. And you can kind of, even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you can kind of hear that, right, in the text. It says, one, he's begging Jesus to heal him, but then he does another thing. He falls on his face in front of Christ. He is desperate, right? This is what desperate looks like. And he should be desperate because he has a disease known as leprosy. Now, leprosy was a very ugly and very painful skin disease. Because literally what's happening is bacteria is eating his skin away. But here's the thing. Not just his skin. It's also eating the things that are under his skin. And not just the flesh and blood and the gross, you know, that's there. But, but also, have you ever like pinched a nerve? Like in your back or in your arm, you get a nerve pinch? That's what's getting eaten away too, very slowly. This guy's in a lot of pain, but not just physical pain. He's got a terrible disease, right? Leprosy. And in those days, when you had a terrible disease, it was not met with sympathy. Like today, it's like, oh, leprosy, we should, we should heal him, we should help him. It wasn't, it wasn't that way. 
in Jesus' time. Have you guys ever read, my high schoolers especially, have you guys ever read or, or tried to read uh, The Scarlet Letter? You know what I'm talking about? Hawthorne? Yeah, my classical novelists out there. Wonderful. Um, spoiler alert for middle school, but you'll be ahead of the game when you get there. The Scarlet Letter is about this woman who commits adultery. And since she commits adultery, she has to, the pun, one of the punishments is she has to sew a red scarlet letter A into all her clothes. And so when people see her, they know what she's done and they avoid her, okay? This is what it was like if you had leprosy in Jesus' day. And according to Leviticus 13, if you had leprosy, it was actually a little bit worse, Anytime you had this disease, if you have leprosy in Old Testament, anytime you had leprosy, you had to wear torn clothes as you walked around. And not like, like the way it is today, like I bought my robe torn. It wasn't the same thing, okay? It wasn't like a fashion thing. You had to wear torn clothes, okay? And then anytime someone came near you, if you have leprosy, anytime someone who came near you You had to put your hand over the lower part of your mouth like this and yell, unclean, unclean, and you had to move away from other people. Now think about, and yes, it sounds kind of goofy and strange, but think about how demoralizing, how humiliating and sad that would actually be for someone. And But but did you catch it? They didn't yell the disease they had. They just yelled, unclean, unclean. Why yell that? Why yell unclean? Here's why. If you had leprosy, or if you thought you did in Old Testament time, what you would do is you wouldn't go to a doctor, you would go to the priest of that town, okay? You would go to the priest and they would inspect you, do basically a physical. And then if you had leprosy, you were declared unclean. Now catch that. You're not just diagnosed with leprosy, you're also declared unclean. Here's the thing about being unclean and why that's bad. And think about it today. If I've got a pair of clean shoes, right, some nice Adidas or something, if I've got a pair of nice, clean shoes, and I jump in a pile of mud, does the mud all of a sudden become beautiful flowers and grass because my clean shoes have touched it? No. Nothing happens to the mud. But my shoes, what happens to my shoes? My shoes get dirty, right? That's, and now now follow this. I know this is a simple example, but follow what I'm saying. That's how our world works. You put a dirty thing and a clean thing together and you just come away with two dirty things. And these people with leprosy were dirty. So they had to stay away from the clean people because the clean people couldn't help them. They would just become dirty if they tried. Unclean. Leviticus 13 says... He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. He had to stay away from all human contact as long as he was sick. And you might say right off the bat, you might say, well, that's that's not fair. He's sick. He can't help it. And and that's understandable, but, but hang on. There's a deeper problem, and you're missing it. The bigger problem, the problem that the Lord is trying to show us through this is this. Remember, they can't be around unclean people. The bigger problem the Lord is showing us is it's a lot easier to get dirty than it is to stay clean. Okay? It's a lot easier to get dirty in our world 
our broken world than it is to stay clean. That's how our world works. That's the problem with our world. Um, when I was in high school, I had a Sunday school teacher, and he was a big dude. And he stood up in a chair one morning, and he brought the smallest girl in our class. He said, stand in front of me, now lift up your arms. And he grabbed her wrist, and he had to pull her up, right? And she's very petite, and, but he was he's struggling, okay? And he got her up a little bit, and then he put her down. And he said, okay, now you pull me down. And all she had to do was take these two and pull them, and he was, he was down, right? And he stopped, and he said, that's the problem with our broken world. Since our world is broken, it's much easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. And I know there's like two of you in here who are like, oh, Ryan, the gravity, that's the reason that it's so much harder. I'm aware. I, I catch this too. Thank you, thank you, science majors, for helping me understand that. But, but don't miss this guy's point because it applies directly to your life. Think about it like this. If you're in, and this has happened to, I bet you, every one of you in here. I've been asked this question like four times this year. If you're in a group of people and they're talk group of friends and they're talking about something that you know you don't need to be talking about, that you know you don't need to take part in, how difficult is that to be the guy or to be the girl who says, whoa, 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 no, no, no. We don't need to be talking about this. I don't want to talk about this with, with you guys. That's difficult, right? That's a difficult thing to be the guy who stops that train, right? And, and regardless of how hard you think it is, it doesn't matter because it's whoever you are, it's so much easier to do what? To just slide into that conversation, to just laugh at the joke, to just continue with the gossip. It's so much easier. Me too. It's so much easier to do that. It's so much easier in our world to become dirty than it is to stay clean. And the Jews knew that. And so they said, we love you, but we have to stay clean. We can't help you. If we could, we, then we would, but we can't. And listen, that wasn't an easy thing for them to do. I say this a lot here. Don't be foolish when it comes to the Old Testament. This was not an easy thing for them to do. Would it be easy for you to send someone away who had leprosy if they were in your family? Or if they were your friend? No. But if you want to keep your other friends safe, if you want to keep your family safe, then you have to, even if tears are in your eyes, while you're doing it. And speaking of tears in our eyes, remember this guy, this guy, he couldn't be around people. Think about not only the stuff his body was going through, but think about the damage that was doing, how sad this must have been for this guy. To being told to go away. Did you know, did you know that if newborn babies are not touched enough, are not held enough, they can die? Even if they have the proper amount of nutrition, if they're not held enough or touched enough, they can die. Did you know that if they are only touched infrequently every so often, something changes in them and they begin to dislike being touched? And they're supposed to enjoy that. Why is this? How, how can this happen? Because we need other, look at me, we need other people so much more than we think we do. We were designed for community. We were designed to be around people. You were designed to be around people, which means if you're not around people for too long, things begin to stop working right. 
We need other people because if we don't have that, it can start to do damage to our soul. And this guy couldn't be around anybody. So think about what kind of shape he's in internally as well. And, there, and this is what I hate. There are people in movies who don't have any friends. Like they're the Lone Ranger kind of thing and they're too cool to have friends, you know? And I hate that because we make it look so cool in movies, but in real life it is not that way. Those are probably the saddest people in your school, even though they don't look it, okay? Think about that. You see the, the next time you see someone who's too cool to hang out with so-and-so. That, don't just stop there. Those are probably the saddest people in your school. This man is desperate, but not just because his body's in danger with disease, but because his soul is in trouble too. He needs to get better, so he runs to Jesus. Why not go somewhere else? Because in this world, if you're dirty, there is no, listen, in this world, if you're dirty, there is no clean thing that can help you. Because what happens when a clean thing makes a dirty thing? You just have two dirty things. You will just get it dirty. There is nothing in this world that can clean you, but there is one who can. Jesus Christ. And we see this in the next verse. Look at verse 41. Verse 41. So the man runs to Jesus, moved with compassion. Oh, we're going to stay there. Moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Okay, so he goes to Jesus, right? He runs to Jesus, and Jesus feels something towards him. What's that word? Jesus feels what? Good, thank you, Brooks. Compassion, right? Christ feels compassion towards this man. This word compassion, in some of your versions it might say moved with pity. In some it says indignant, which means his heart turns over inside of him. Do you have people that you feel for, that you like a lot, and your heart just, it, it turns over when you see them? This word compassion, this particular word is used four times in the New Testament. It's used three times to deal with suffering. It's used in Matthew 20 when two blind men ask Jesus if, to help them see. It's used in Mark 9 when Jesus sees a boy possessed by a demon and he's hurting himself. And the boy's father asks Jesus to help. It says Jesus had compassion. And then it's used here in Mark chapter 9 when Jesus sees the man with leprosy ask for help. The lesson that we have got to take that you are just going to gloss over if you don't listen. Jesus has great compassion on you when you are suffering. He sees and he knows. And so often we're tempted to think, no, he doesn't. Because look at everything that's going on out here. No, don't look out here. Look to your Bible. He knows. He cares deeply. This is a, this is a Sunday school classic. So just kind of go back in your mind a little bit. You remember in Matthew chapter 8 when, the, when Jesus and the disciples are on the boat together in the middle of the lake and the storm just crashes into the sea and the disciples are freaking out, right? Like they're losing it, okay, in lockdown mode. And they're going crazy. But Jesus is doing something totally different in the boat. Tell me, what's Jesus doing in the boat? He's sleeping. Yeah, exactly. He is, he is out cold. Now this, and you, and you read that and you think, oh, praise the Lord, and you just kind of keep going, but you've got to see this. Think about this. Think about this, how bad this was. Peter, Andrew, James, John, four disciples who before they were picked up by Jesus, do you remember what their jobs were? They were fishermen. From younger than you, these guys are raised on the water. How to handle it when something goes wrong, and they're losing it. 
That's how bad this storm is. And Christ is asleep. Listen. Yet he has compassion. His heart is moved towards this man. When the storms are raging over the ocean, he is perfectly calm. But when you are in trouble, his heart turns over within him. Think about that. Imagine the Savior of the universe breaking out into a sweat because he sees that you are in trouble. When the storms were raging, he could care less. But when you're in trouble, he is all ears. He is listening. He is there. Look at how important you are to him. Look at me. He loves you. He loves you. And I know that there are days, and we've talked about this before, I know that there are days when you look around and you can't see that. Me too. Your adults too. Your college leaders too. But as Christians, we are not governed by outside circumstances. We don't look, look at me, we don't look here to figure out if God loves us. We look to the Bible to find truth. And this text is truth. Take heart. He cares. When you can't see it out here, look in Mark chapter 1 at how he treats this man. He cares for you when you're suffering. Jesus has great compassion on us when we're suffering. But this word, remember, four times. This word is used one more time in the New Testament, this word compassion. And it doesn't talk about, in this one, it doesn't talk about Jesus having compassion on our suffering. It talks about him having compassion on our sin. You don't have to turn there. But, but listen to Matthew 18, verse 23 to 27. Matthew 18, 23 to 27. Jesus has compassion on our sin. For this reason, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who he wished to settle accounts with all his slaves. When he had begun to settle the accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he did not have the means to repay the master, the master commanded him to be sold, along with his wife, think about this, along with his wife and his children, and all that he had, so that repayment could be made. So the slave fell to the ground and bowed before him. Does that not sound like the leper? He goes to him, he falls on his face before him. It's the same thing. And he says, have patience with me, master, and I will repay everything. Here it comes. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave his debt. Compassion. It's the same word that's used with the leper. But that story's about disease. This one's about forgiveness. Why use the same word? Because they're both about healing. Listen, Jesus' compassion can heal our body, but his forgiveness on the cross is what heals our soul. Look at this man's debt 10,000 talents. One talent was 15 years of wages for one talent. And this man owed 10,000 of them. There would have been an audible gasp from the crowd when Christ said that this man owed 10,000 talents. It's an unpayable debt. But there would have been an even bigger gasp when Christ tells the story that the man forgave the entire thing. You see, in those days, when you went into debt, there was no bankruptcy. There was no loan, okay? There were no game shows. You couldn't go back and take another swing, right? 
In those days, if you lost everything, you sold all your land. And if that wasn't enough to pay it back, you sold everything that you owned. And then it got bad. If you couldn't pay it after that, you had to sell your children. And your children would go and work the land for someone else to pay back the debt. And then you had, let this, let this hit. Then you had to sell your wife to go work for someone else. And then you had to sell yourself to pay back this debt. You, it cost you everything. It cost you your life. And this man paid none of it. He gets to go free? Are you kidding me? And that's probably the exact same question that the Jews asked when they heard this. How can this be? It's all because the master felt compassion. Why do you, look at me, why do you get to go free? Because your master had compassion. You see, we say this all the time in church, right? We say this all the time. But we don't really know what it means. Jesus felt compassion on you, so he forgave your debt. We can all go home. But look, the master forgave this man his debt, but that cost the master dearly. Don't just gloss over that. You see, the reason people gasped was not just because the man went free. They gasped because when he forgave him, this guy is now out 10,000 talents. The man doesn't have to pay it back. That means the master had to take a huge hit in order to forgive this guy. It's very likely, listen, it's very likely that the master went into debt so that he could rescue this man from his debt. And you know what happens to people when they go into debt. Forgiveness costs, but because of his love for the man, he was willing to pay it. And our forgiveness costs Jesus. Look back at 41 and 42 of Mark chapter 1. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man. We'll come back to that. And said to him, I am willing be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Okay, here's, here's the deal. Jesus feels forgiveness on this man, compassion, and then he reaches out, and what does he do? He does what? He touches, yes, all right, I'm going to get everybody else involved. He reaches out, and he does what? Good. See, when we work as a team, he touches this man. This is why this is important. Jesus Christ can do anything he doesn't have to touch this guy to heal him. And you're not supposed to touch those who have leprosy. So why does he do it? Why does Jesus touch this man? Why does he feel the need to touch him? Two reasons. Number one, because Jesus doesn't care about social rules. He loves you far too much. And we talked about this last week, so I won't stay on it too long. But my, my dad is a high school English teacher. And when I was in college, I went to school at Georgia Southern in Statesboro. It's about five hours from here. But I remember, any time I was at school, I could call my dad at any point in the day, and he would pick up, even while he's lecturing his kids. I can't tell you how many times I heard him say, hey, I'm in class, what's up? I'm in college, I'm supposed to be the one saying that. You know what I mean? So why did my dad pick up the phone? The social rules are you don't do that. So why did he pick up the phone? Because my dad loves me very much. And, and you guys know this. When you love someone, what other people think doesn't matter as much. 
So why does Jesus not care about the social rules of being unclean? Because he felt compassion on this man. Because he loves this man. And that love pushed him out of social boundaries. And that same compassion that he feels towards this man and his suffering is the same compassion he feels towards you when you're suffering. And the same compassion he feels towards this man is the same compassion he feels on you when you sin. Have you ever thought about that? That, that Jesus, What if Jesus' first reaction to your sin is not anger but compassion? It's a game changer. The second reason Jesus touches this man is because, remember, remember what we talked about with the newborns and, and being touched. It's very likely that this man had not had anyone to talk to or had anyone give him a hug in a long time. In fact, if you look at the verse, Jesus touches him and then he heals him. The touching has nothing to do with healing his leprosy. So why does Jesus touch him? By touching him before he heals him, Jesus is saying, I'm not just going to heal your body. I know you've been lonely, and so I want to heal your soul. Remember, his soul's in agony because he needs other people. Uh, my aunt is special needs. She's, she's 55, 56, but she has the mind of, of a 6-year-old or a 7-year-old. And my mom actually works with special needs. And I'm sure you guys have special needs people in your, your families as well. Have you ever met someone who has special needs and they are so happy all the time? Like they are running at 100 all the time. Their body is not right, but something deeper is healthy. You follow me? And you think, to have that, by touching this man, Jesus is showing him there's something more than just physical healing that you need. And I'm the one who can do it. Here's, here's the second part of this for you. In your life, when things are going wrong and you think, I've got this problem, where's Jesus? If he would just heal this problem, then I would be better. Why doesn't he fix this outside problem? Why didn't he fix this problem? Maybe, maybe, he's trying to show you in love that you need something much deeper than just outside healing. Maybe he's not healing the outside because you need something deeper than the outside healed. And he's using this to open you up to start operating. Jesus touches this man to show that he can heal us inside. And how does he do it? Look at verse 44. 44. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing for what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay, this is what that means. Um, now remember, Jesus is telling him, Hey, just go do what you usually do. If you think you're sick, you don't go to the doctor. Where do you go? The priest. Good. Hey, together now. Nice. You go to the priest. And so Jesus is saying, now that you're healed, just go back to the priest. Don't tell people that I've done this. Go back to the priest just like you would today. If you were sick and you're starting to feel better, you might go back to the doctor to get checked on one more time. Same thing. But here's the deal. Why isn't Jesus going to the priest too? Because he's clean, leprosy's dirty, he has touched and talked to someone unclean, which makes him unclean. Jesus needs to go to the priest as well. The cur listen, and then you can tune out. 
The curse of our world, the brokenness of our world is this. When you touch something unclean, you become unclean. That's why people who got leprosy, they had to be by themselves in the Old Testament. It's not just the rule. God is showing us this is what's wrong with the world. This is the curse. You can't put clean shoes in mud and the mud gets clean. It's backwards. It's broken. But with Jesus, Jesus touches someone dirty. And not only does Jesus not become dirty, the dirty thing becomes clean. It works in reverse with Jesus now. But but what about the curse of the world? Jesus breaks the curse of our world. He can fix it. Listen, sports are good. But how how many of you know someone whose sports has become their idol? Listen, dating is good. But dating can so quickly become our idol. Academics is a good thing, but academics can so quickly become your idol. Dating, your idol. Sports, your idol. Do you know what all three of those things have in common? You and me. These are clean things, but we are dirty. And so when we come into contact with these things, they become dirty. Sports don't become idols because they're evil. Sports become idols because we are dirty. We make them that way. When we touch something that's clean, we make it dirty. But listen, when we touch Jesus, when we meet Jesus... He doesn't become dirty, and we become clean. Look at verse 45, and then we'll be done. This is how Jesus does this. But the man went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer enter a city, but he stayed out in lonely areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Jesus told this guy, and tell me if this sounds familiar, Jesus said, don't do this, and the man went and did that. Exactly like you do, and exactly like I do. We are no different. Don't be too quick to be mad at this guy, right? He said, don't go tell people that I did this, because this is why. Now everyone's coming to him. Well, that's a good thing, right? No, because all he said is, hey, he healed me of my leprosy, and now people are rushing him. Do a miracle here. Fix this. Heal this. Solve this. And they're not, they, won't, they won't listen to him. They won't listen to him when he tells them there's something deeper that they need. There's a deeper healing. They want him to fix He wants them to be clean. And they won't listen to that second part. Now follow this. Jesus told him not to, but he did anyway. And now, Jesus cannot be around people anymore. He can't even go into a city. That sounds a lot like the man with leprosy. He can't go into a city can't be around people. Jesus Christ has traded places with this leper. The only real way that Jesus could heal him was to trade places with him. Now this guy can be around people again. He can go wherever he wants. He's clean. And Jesus, the only one who's truly clean, he can't go around anybody anymore. 
he's treated like he's dirty. Jesus Christ says, I don't care what you've done, I don't care where you've been, if you come into contact with me, you will be clean. Not because that's the rule, but because Jesus is the only one who's ever traded places with you. That's the key. The key is the work that Jesus did on the cross. He can clean anyone up because he's traded places with the dirtiest person. Dating can't do that. Sports can't do that. A good school, really? None of these things can do that. What does graduation matter if you don't have Jesus? What does a state championship matter if you don't have Jesus? None of these things. These things aren't bad, but these things cannot heal you. These things cannot take your place. And Jesus didn't take your place because of how good you were. He took your place because he loves you. Now here's the really good news. If you didn't do anything to get his love, then you can't do anything to lose it. Think about our story. He heals the man. When this man went and sinned, when he went and blew it, Jesus didn't say, you know what, I take it back. We're trading places again. No. It says he stayed out in the lonely places. Just like he stayed on the cross for you. The cross covers every sin you will ever commit. He will never go back on it. Even the stuff you do in the future that you don't know about. Friend, when Jesus died on the cross for you 2,000 years ago, every sin you have was a future sin. The cross of Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing in the universe. Only Jesus died for his people. And meeting him is the only way you can become clean. Let's pray.